I want to talk to you about the mystifying ways of God. The mystifying ways of God. The word mystify just seems to, or, or means to uh, uh, be mysterious or obscure. It can leave you perplexing, difficult to figure out. How many got God figured out? And you understand just what he's doing and I mean in a detailed sense. We kind of know, you know overall what he's doing, but uh, uh, what's going on in your life right now and, or in your world, you, you're just totally, uh, you know, uh, there's no mystery to it. Well, if that is the case, uh, would you give us your recipe? And so, I'd like to, to make a, a couple of things noted here before I get into uh, the mystifying ways of, of God. And just kind of relate to some of the things that are mystifying. You know, God is like a good engineer. He makes everything for a purpose. And sometimes that purpose is easy to figure out. Other times, it takes a lot of careful study to figure out. And then there are also some plans that we don't really get to see. Now, the Word, of course, gives us clues of God's ways and understanding God's ways. But think about that the Scripture says that God made the wicked for the day of trouble. And God uses the wicked even to punish His own people. And that word punish there, of course, would be like discipline. He uses the wicked to show his justice and power. When God begins to call things to account. You remember the, what God said about Pharaoh? For this cause I raised you up. That in you I might show my power. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't him. And then, of course, I think there, all of us probably feel from time to time, oh, why doesn't God just go ahead and, 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 and uh, clean everything up, remove the wicked? Why don't you just take the, the wicked in this age and, 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 you know, and just leave the world clean? How many know he did that once? And evil still. Found a place and grew. 
Now, why doesn't God just remove evil people, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, out of our lives. According to Matthew chapter 13, said God's got a problem with that. Or we'd have a problem with that. He, he, he says that if I do that, some of the righteous would get hurt. Hmm. Now, it makes sense to me. But God says it wouldn't work. At least not until the time. So we want to talk about that mystifying ways of God. Understanding that God's ways are higher and more lofty and are reason-packed. The reason packed. The ways of God. Our journey as, as Christians is, you know, is about following God, trusting in the Lord. It's not merely a destination. It's trusting God when life doesn't make sense. I think of the example of Israel, beginning with Abraham, and all the, the uh, uncommon ways <laughs> by which things unfolded. You see, God is sovereign. He is the king of kings, but he is not a dictator. And the first choice that he gives us to understanding his mystifying ways is the choice of obedience. It was by disobedience in the garden, of course, that opened a can of worms beyond comprehension. And so understanding the the ways of God, it's by simple obedience to God's word that guides us along on a daily basis in a pathway and life that is far too complex for us to see at given times in our lives.
our perceptions of God, our ideas about God, how our life should unfold. Create some struggles with understanding God's ways. And to perceive, how do they fit in our lives? I actually was probably more at ease when I knew less <laughs> than when I know more. How does it fit in our lives? It's, it's no secret that God works in mysterious ways, but the balancing act to that is that God also works in meaningful ways. We strain to see over the horizon. But God, he looks from above and has this road map. And he knows what's best and how to proceed. He sees the future as clearly as he sees the past. These strange and seemingly mystifying ways of the Lord in, in, in leading us eventually prove wiser than our impatience. Our press for progress. Think about Abraham. God gives him a call and says, And I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he says, It's going to be so big that the sands of the sea, they're more than the sands of the sea and the stars of the heaven. And he waits 25 years to even start. I mean, to me, that would be 25 years wasted, right? I mean, we know how, you know, how you have, how you get two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? I mean, as you get along, it can start to multiply pretty fast, but it almost seems like 25 years is wasted here, God. Come on now. He not only wasted 25 years, but he goes ahead and says, you know, I'm going to wait till you, well, I don't know, I should say that. Oh, Sarah don't look so beautiful to you anymore. You're not physically attracted to her anymore, at least in that dynamic, you know, <laughs> propelling thing that happens that brings us together in the first place. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Those victories and failures that are along the way. I 
understand the victories, but <laughs> I'm still wrestling with the failures. But they all seem to prepare us for, for or get us ready for something that we felt we were ready for much earlier. Works with purpose. God's decisions and God's ways. The timing of God. Yeah. My ways are higher. Think about this, the ways of God and this this mystifying things is is what we might call the upside-down ways of God, but you got to go in. To go in, you got to come out. To go up, you got to come down. To be first, you got to be last. To be great, you got to be least. To be strong, you got to be weak. To receive, you got to give. Ah. Yeah. To be exalted, you got to be humble. To be wise, you got to become a fool for Christ's sake. To find you got to lose and to live you got to die. It's no wonder. The scripture says that the world by wisdom didn't know God. You couldn't get him. Couldn't figure it out. God's method of operation. We see now the beauty and the wonder of the birth of Christ. But come on, folks. How many of you are of us? would have chose that none of us and I'll tell you why because look at the people they couldn't get it we look on this side but if we were there and that's what happens in our lives is, is that which is the arenas that we are involved in personally we see it from the underside and not the Upside. The widow of Zarephath. I want you to give up your last meal of you for you and your son. I mean, you got to give that woman credit, man. That's an amazing thing. I mean, you know what a, how, how defensive a mother is for her child. Yeah. She knew something. We have some missionaries coming. The McCoy family. The McCoy family had two children. That is Bobby J. 
Junior. There's no deaf in their family. Deafness. Both of their children are born deaf. They struggled with that. They couldn't see the picture. Nor could we have. But after time and observing and they discovered that God had a purpose. I want you to go. I need somebody to go to the deaf. The deaf need the gospel. Nobody's going. That's mystifying, isn't it? The very wisdom of God that we trust in and, and find peace in sometimes is the very wisdom that confuses us. And I might insert after the fact, till after the fact. It's not uncommon for there to be cries of confusion in the mystifying ways of God. Job chapter 13, verse 24 says, Why do you hide your face from me? Why do you regard me as an enemy? Okay, life is, it's, it's made a big change, let's put it that way. The blessing and the easy street that he had lived on and, you know, and, and all the wonderful things that he did, you know. He wasn't a closet believer, let me tell you. And then everything changes. Loss moves in. Sickness begins to take a toll upon his body. And look what he says. You regard me as an enemy, God? What's going on? Psalms 101 says this, Why do you stand afar off, God? Why do you hide in the times of trouble? Where's God, huh? Now we got faith, and I know that, that you know, we know where God is, and, you know, push comes to shove, we're solid. But there's probably an arena where you're have said and asked the same question. Psalms 44 says, Why do you sleep, O Lord? Wake. Hey, over here, God, please. 
in Psalms 22, and you pick it up in the New Testament, even the Son of God had said this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Anybody ever use the word why to God? We might use the word why. Why is the evil prospering? David used it. King David. Why is the, why is the evil prosper? Why so much pain? And why so much, much chaos? Let me tell you something. I think we need to release God in our own minds and hearts with regarding to suffering and pain and sin. It doesn't come from God. It comes from sin. And James says sin has a progressive way to it, right? Ha! You know, the longer it has, it has a, you know, a ground to work in. It begins to progress further and deeper and more captive and, and, and more evident. Mary and Martha were confused by Lazarus' death. They not only asked the question, why, but they all also used the phrase, if only. God, if you'd only did this, then this would have been the result of it. I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they're wish and they're in their if only is, you know, uh, is a black mark against them. I think it's human. I think it's human. But God's purpose and God's plan and God's ways, they involve more than just us. The changes oftentimes that we want to take place in our lives really have a very personal self-motive. Protective. I don't see this bad. But life is bigger than us. God says, I'm not willing that any would perish, but that all men would come to repentance in the knowledge of the truth. We'll get into that. So you see that confusion about God's timing and God's ways is, uh, is, is throughout redemptive history. Throughout the history, it is. Think about this. You remember the martyrs that are under the altar? They've been freed from their sin-bound bodies. And yet they're still crying. They're still confused. How long, Lord? 
How are you going to let this keep going? Where there is no wonder, there's no questions, no bewilderment, and no faith to which to trust. To understand God's ways, which are very mystifying. You must understand God's heart. God's heart. When you understand God's heart, you'll understand His ways. God is always consistent with His own character and His own principles. Yes. He always does within the framework of that. They always rule in the operation of God. It's not that He doesn't hear you. It's not that He doesn't care. Yeah. When it seems like God's leading to the middle of nowhere, we don't question so much His presence, but we question His plans. mysteries of God should not bolster our doubt but they should intrigue our wonder the songs that we sang intrigue our wonder the one God is a God of compassion God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but ever have everlasting life. God is still waiting for people to believe. Yeah. That, that, that compassion that Jesus had, you know what I mean? And, and that's the same kind of people then when he was here that are now. It says when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep not having a shepherd, so he began to teach them. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. 
Would I be too bold to say this, that he didn't see them as sinners? He saw them as not having any guide in their life. They needed a guide. How many know that the reason that he died was for what? Sinners. Because of sin. That's why he died. And I don't like sin no more than you do. And let me tell you, God hates sin. But his role is to redeem the sinner. This is coming at the judgment time, you know what I mean? But God says, God says, I'm going to lay all the judgment on Jesus for this time. How many know that that judgment of Jesus, that when the final judgment has come, they don't get to plead the blood of Jesus? No. In the grace period that we live in right now, in this mercy time of God. It's what Jesus did for us. Is what was how he was broken. laid on him the sin of us all. So when God makes the decisions that happen in life, his ultimate goal is their salvation. Jesus ached for lost people. Jesus says, you're not the only one. Other sheep have I that are not of this fold. I've got to bring them. Yeah. Listen, if God made his decision just based on our individual lives, we'd be spoiled. And that would be okay, as far as I'm concerned. I like being spoiled. (laughs) But it's other sheep. Isn't it amazing? You know what I mean? That here here God has... All these years have, has entreated Israel and, and, and given the word first and just been miraculous to them, you know? And he says, I got some others. I'm glad 
God goes after others. Amen? If God didn't go after others, where would we be? We sit here and enjoy and we're, we're under the fountain of blessing because God stuck to his principle. Which is what, Pastor? Others first. Others first. No greater love has man than he lay down his life for another. Others first. Oh. I, I, I'll be, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you here. And hope you don't turn it wrong, but you know, I'm almost tired of others first. I hope, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I got to do it. Oh, but boy, me first would feel good once in a while. And I really, I can't complain, and God tells me that. You know what I mean? But sometimes I feel like I can. See, there are lost people. There are people that are not just lost in sin. But they're, they're those that don't know Christ, but there are those people that, 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 that are unreached. In other words, they, they don't have a place of connect. They're not connected. what the Bible talks about in Ephesians. It says they're disjointed. They're disjointed. They're, they're connected with nobody, really, you know? Or they got two limbs together, and that's it. Unreached. And there are lost people who are unengaged. Unengaged. So as we know his heart, it's then that we can share his heart. I don't have the answer. But God's ways are like a mystery. Now, I don't like mysteries. I don't like them on TV. I don't like them in a book. You know? I don't like mysteries. But God is His ways are so full of love and compassion. That it creates a mystery. It's mystifying.
So how do we handle God's mystifying ways? I think that as a believer, you always want to remember that God's clouds are full of mercy. The clouds that seem to hover, that seem to obscure, that block us coming to some kind of, you know, insight. Full of mercy because just compassions do not. They don't fail, it says. My. The wonder he said, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he really makes them, you know, he's really good, isn't he? How about seven times? I mean, he's going to be the top of his class, man, because, you know, what 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 a generous offer. I say seven times seven. 49, right? Or endless, by and large, I don't know. I don't really know what God meant there. I do know it more than what I'm willing to go. (laughs) Yeah. What you discover with God And it's not always tomorrow. That that fishy, fish's belly that felt like hell. Or that anguish and, and depression and affliction. Turns into something different. After the fact, that's like a palace. It's like a temple. God encounters. You see those clouds. That hang over. They create a mystery. In the end, that barren couple hold a child. Psalms 23 says the sun rises over the valley of death. The prophet said this, that that Jerusalem hears again the sound of joy. Those martyrs under that altar of God are going to awake with a new body. Just as the stone was rolled away from the tomb, 
Because the guarantee of God is that the mysteries of God turns into the wonders of God. That bitter bud turns into a beautiful flower whose beauty you can't imagine. Has God ever left you speechless? Well, he has me. And every time he does it, I got to repent. Because <laughs> we're not those people. We, you know, we're not like Israel, you know what I said, where God says, you know, your words have really been harsh toward me. Your words have been harsh toward me. Those are bad people. Hallelujah. Karen, would you come this morning? You see, God is God, whether the lights are on or off. It was back, give us some a, a, a wonderful instructions for life. And he said, I will stand my watch. And I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. <laughs> we must not get stuck in our losses. Now, We must not wallow in the junkyard of the past. Because faith is always pointing toward hope. In a hope, he said, that if you keep it and you hold it, you will not be ashamed that you hung on to hope. Because when you hang on to hope, you are hanging on to God. Romans 15, 13, for the God of hope. Hallelujah. To step into our future. The question God posed to me, was really a question more of a statement are you waiting on God or is God waiting on you are you waiting on God or is God waiting on It's because of who he is and the principles of by which he functions were not consumed. I don't understand his mystifying ways. I don't. 
yesterday in prayer, our Saturday morning prayer. Laura brought to us a word of the Lord. When it's right out of Scripture. And it was such a word of God. It was really clear. <laughs> and what she said was, and then this framework of Scripture was, was, was how all the things that God had done in Israel's life, both the bad and the good, how they come out on the other side. And how that Israel was standing at that Red Sea and Pharaoh was coming up behind them and they're blocked in and they can't move and their life is in danger and their future is, you know, about the doors closing on their future. So much so that, that it was so alarming to them that they said, you know, Moses, you just brought us out here to die. You just brought us out here to die because there wasn't enough graves back in, back in Egypt for us. Well, how many know that's not true? There was plenty of room for graves in Egypt. I mean... <laughs> All that sand, I mean, you know, Moses, he just went ahead and dug a grave and threw the sand on top of that Egyptian that he killed, didn't he? I mean, you know. But that's where it, you, can, you can get there. You can get there. You know, it's closing in, man. God, if... if if you don't do something, it's closing in. Something's going to happen to your heritage, God. God, you better move. That's what I tell him. No, I don't. I don't. But anyway... Here's what she said at the end, and, and this wasn't part of her, her writing, but she said this, that you're going to cross over. And basically, that's what God said in that whole thing. You're going to cross over on dry ground. You're going to cross over. Not in muddy waters but on dry ground. And the prophetic gift in me <clears throat> moved to this. And God said, you have been boxed in by the pharaohs of the land. In the natural circumstances have been hindering. 
but I am clearing out the pharaohs and I am removing the natural hindrances and you shall cross over on dry land. I will fulfill my promise. I will keep my word. Woo! I love it when God moves. When our crying is done and we're just ready to die. Stand with me, God says. Stretch forth your rod. Are you waiting for God or is God waiting for you? There was no movement of the river. There was no drowning of Pharaoh and his armies until Moses obeyed God and stretched forth his rod. Woo! Yes, there's a dilemma. But God's given a rod. And I can't go into further, but it would be the word of God. Just take the word. Follow the word. Now this wasn't a word of the Lord, but it was my kind of a synopsis from that what she read and what I felt the Holy Spirit say, and that is God's up to something big. And it's been so long since we, since we have been able to notice that God has done something big and, and He's always doing it but that we you know, recognize that God has done something big that it's hard for us to believe that God can do something big. Are you with me? something big well I'll tell you what something big is if one sinner gets saved Woo! God says that all of heaven gets in a jubilation in excitement because one sinner one sinner gets their life turned around changed and transform and let me tell you 
they are on God's priority list. It's not my comfort. I'm already in the ship. God's priority list. Hallelujah. That's why missions is so important. That's why financing the kingdom of God is so important. Let's do it. I got to close. <laughs> I don't know how you close something like this, but anyway, I don't know, Clayton. They're mystifying. But now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We have to learn, oh Jesus, to accept our limited vision. Now, somebody should have clapped on that one. Yes. We have to learn to accept our limited vision. Walk with what you can see. Walk with what you know. Because thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. If you want to get from point A of God and point B of God, you just have to walk and follow the word. I have another prophetic word here from the Bible. And what is a prophetic word? It's no different than the Bible, but it's the Holy Spirit bringing it to the forefront. It's what we call the rhema word of God from the written word of God. God gave me this and and I thought it was for just my family. And I immediately sent it to them so they can start to look forward to their year. Year not being, you know, January to December. But here's what he said. That he was going to crown your year with goodness. And your paths. They know you're, what that means is where you walk. They're going to drip with abundance. They're going to drop on the pastures of the wilderness. How many know that's change? Wilderness paths are not fruitful. But the same abundance is going to fall on those. And your little hills, those insignificant hills, are going to are going to rejoice on every side. There will be flocks everywhere. The valleys will be producing. There will be shouts of joy 
and singing. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's up to something big. And the reason is because the cross is something big. The resurrection is something big. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. One more time, and hallelujah. Praise God. God bless. Go with God. And it's okay this morning, church, to say, God, I believe. How many know that you do believe, but unbelief is pretty strong, too? Huh? Sure. Help! 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 Help what? Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. It's standing in the way, God. Help my unbelief. Oh, hallelujah. He'll help. Hallelujah. Go with God. Hallelujah. Because he's waiting on you. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.